Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic today. It's April 24th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, and my voice is much more hoarse than I thought it was. Probably not the right day to have a big episode, uh, but I am going to soldier through, so I apologize for the uh, for the hoarseness of my voice and, and perhaps some of the sound quality. I'm sure this sounds terrible, but there is magic to talk about, and uh, I can't not do this, right? I can't not do this. I, I guess I could stop and, not, and ease off the throttle like I tell myself I'm going to, but uh, still stuff to do. Uh, last week, we finished our What Went Right, What Went Wrong for the season, um, and uh, that's our basic season recap. So I'm going to summarize that a little bit uh, at the top of today's show. And then, of course, this week on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, probably in much clearer voice than I am sounding like right now, uh, we have our player evaluations begin. So I'll touch a little bit on Nikola Vucevic, who is our player evaluation for Monday to kick us off. Uh, that should be up at OrlandoMagicDaily.com already. But first... Before we get going, I do want to say a quick word from our pals at SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It has always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for concert for, for look for tickets to a game or concert, which is probably where I should have gotten my voice hoarse, but that, that's not what happened. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and most importantly, money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. There are some fantastic concerts coming to the Amway Center as well as Orlando City if you're in Orlando. Uh, so lots of reasons to keep using SeatGeek and check out those prices. Check out the best way to buy tickets. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code, and I'll try and be clear. <clears throat> L-O magic, like locked on magic. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O magic today. That's L-O magic, as in the Terriel Green Otis Smith magic. The Terio Green's literally the only player I could think of. The first name started with L. I apologize. Let's get into today's show. Um, I'm going to save the David Griffin thing for tomorrow because today's episode's going to get a little bit out of hand, I think. And uh, if you can't tell, my voice is in pretty bad shape. So I wanted to spend today, the, the first Monday after we finished our What Went Right, What Went Wrong series, 
Um, talking a little bit about, I guess, what the big takeaway is from this season. Other than just abject disappointment and frustration and a certain, perhaps, sense of hopelessness. One lottery per day is coming up later. I'm not skipping that. Um, but what is, I guess, the overarching theme and lesson from the season? And there were a few that I took. The first one I took was coming out of exit interviews. Kind of looking back and beginning to reflect on the season. The day after the season ended. And it was this sense of the team failing to launch. A series of false starts. And uh, just... An inability to take that ever-important next step from perhaps forming an identity to making it your identity. You know, I look back at this season, and and I, I did this a lot Sunday. You probably noticed Orlando Magic Daily was, was kind of quiet on Sunday. It was because I was working on uh, the 10 best games of the season. And yes, I did find 10. I actually found 13. I had to make cuts. But as I was recapping and looking back at these games and, and, and looking back at at what I wrote and what we wrote on OrlandoMagicDaily.com and I probably I could probably I should probably go back in and, and add in all the podcasts from these games as well because they exist. As I looked back at all these games, a, a constant theme began to pop up. And that was this is the moment when the Magic are readying to turn the corner. Because let's let's remember what the storyline for the season was. That this was a young team ready to make that next step to the playoffs. And so throughout the year, especially early in the year, we were looking for signs that this year was going to be different. That this year, the team was going to round that corner and become competitive and start winning games. And so as I looked back at some of these games that the Magic won and that the Magic played, that theme kept popping up. I look back at the win over the San Antonio Spurs on the road. My top game of the year for the Magic. A monumental win for the team. They they hadn't won in San Antonio since like 2000. I think 2009 or 2008 and something like that. It's it, it was a win that felt like it had meaning because the Spurs are the Spurs. It doesn't matter that they don't have Tim Duncan. They are the Spurs. And it wasn't just that the Magic won that game. They dominated the game. They won 95-83. They won running away. They won despite their offense no showing like it always did at that point of the year. They won on their defense. And it felt like it was real. I remember sitting here talking to you, talking to other writers and saying, this feels real. I go back and look at the double overtime game against Miami, which is on that list as well. I think it came in at number three. That game against Miami was against a bad opponent. And the Magic didn't have their best stuff. Their defense was already beginning to fall apart. December was a disaster for the team. 
they lost the identity and the rhythm and the connection that they had defensively. And that game against Miami, they didn't have defense, which is what this team needed to win. They were down by an impossible margin, like they had been so many times in the last five years. And yet they found a way to tie the game. Miami left the door open, and Orlando went through it. And while the game was far from perfect, it was not the Magic's best game overall. But they found a way to get the win. And that's all that mattered. And I believe that meant something. I believe that. At the time, I certainly believed it meant something. I thought it meant the Magic found a way to gut out a win without their best stuff. That's what good teams do. And I could go down the list of games where it felt like the Magic were turning the corner. And as I looked back at it on Sunday, the constant refrain was, of course, that's not how it went. The Magic went won four out of five games on that five-game road trip that started in San Antonio. But that last game was the turning point of the season when the Magic's defense just fell off a cliff and never returned. Only for little bits and pieces of the year. You know, I put two Aaron Gordon games on there. The game against the Celtics and the game against the Clippers. The Clippers game really looked like his coming out party. He scored, what, 32 points in that game? Really looked like he could play on the perimeter for one game. And it was like, this is where the Magic's hopes are. This is where their Magic's hopes and dreams are. And it never really coalesced. Even when he switched back to power forward, it never coalesced. This past season was a season of false starts. Of momentary glimpses of hope. But ultimate inconsistency and failure. Aaron Gordon was was, was in Lithuania this weekend to visit his brother who's playing for Lietuvas Ritas in, in the Lithuanian playoffs. And uh, Lietuvas Ritas did a video interview with them and, and published it on their on their YouTube page. And, you know, he was asked very briefly to describe the season, and, and I think he described it perfectly. They were just inconsistent. They would spend one game up here, and the next game they'd be down here. And they couldn't ever get it, get it straight. It was a season of false starts like that. And when you... Scale the camera even further back. When you look at the bigger picture, when you look at everything that we talked about last week, it certainly also felt like a season of miscalculations, of gambles that didn't pay off. That is, that's, a, that's a phrase I often like to say. It was a season of those risks not paying off. And every positive that we pointed to last week seemed to be born out of the failure of their initial decision. Aaron Gordon finding his position at power forward was born out of the decision to play him at small forward failing. The team deciding to go small was born out of the failure of playing big. The knowledge that they need floor spacing was born out of the failure of the way the roster was constructed. 
it was extremely hard to find positives this year. I, I will not lie. Coming up with five things that went right this season was extremely difficult. And I did it to keep with the conceit of the the exercise of the, the series that I've done for forever. And there's always that other side of the coin when it came to things that went right for the Magic. In that they they were they they went right because the original plan failed so miserably that they had to find something that worked or something to hold on to for next year. There were a lot of risks that went wrong this year. Aaron Gordon playing small forward, Sir, pairing Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo, relying entirely on defense without the floor spacing on offense to make the offense work. Going big in a league that's going smaller and more mobile and more versatile. It was hard to find a risk that went right. That's why this season was such an incredible failure and an incredible disappointment. The team could not get anything right, it seemed. About the only thing that honestly went right it's something I'm going to talk about in, in just a moment with Nikola Vucevic playing his best defensive season of his career. This was a season that never really got started. It was a season of hope, but ultimately a failure. And I think seen the consequences of that with Rob Hennigan getting fired. And we see the con- we feel the consequences of it in thinking about what direction this team goes next. And that part is going to be really hard for whoever the Magic hire next. The good news is you hope that there were lessons learned. That the team gain some knowledge of how to better group players to create a winning franchise in this day and age. And of course, we'll see if that happens in the coming months as as we continue to, to look back at 2017 as the playoffs are still going on before we dive into draft stuff in, in a couple weeks here. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Continuing on that theme. Let's talk about Nikola Vucevic and his season. Uh, it, it was definitely an intriguing year for Nikola Vucevic, um, just starting really from the beginning. He, uh, of course, has been the starting center in Orlando for for five years, for four years now, uh, for the last four years entering the season, uh, and, and the Magic seemed to finally deliver the one thing that it felt like he absolutely needed. It felt all. It always felt like he absolutely needed rim protection next to him at the four. 
And we always said, well, there aren't many of those guys out there. There's Derek Favors, there's Serge Ibaka, there's Draymond Green, maybe. And so when the Magic acquired Serge Ibaka, it felt like a perfect fit. Either the Magic were going to slide Ibaka to the five, play Aaron Gordon at the four, or they were going to give Vucevic the rim-protecting center that he needed to become an effective defender. When the Magic also went out and signed Bismack Biombo, though, it began to feel like the writing was on the wall for Vucevic and that he wasn't going to be the Magic's starting center for much longer. That turned out not to be the case either. The Magic stuck with Vucevic and they stuck with the three-headed monster at center, moving Aaron Gordon permanently to the three. And... Vucevic had kind of a monopoly for four years, and in this fifth year, he struggled a little bit as his minutes got cut down, as his playing time got cut down, as he got pushed as a starter. But he won the starting job, no doubt about it. He was the best between him and Biombo, at least. Vucevic's 14.6 points per game and 10.4 rebounds per game are relatively modest. His numbers jumped back up a little bit after the All-Star break when he was alone as the main center. But it was a frustrating season for Nikola Vucevic. You could kind of tell a little bit in the attitude he took, you know, kind of defiantly saying from the very beginning, I'm the starter. He had no reason to think that he wasn't. But at the end of the day, He also wasn't the player that the Magic were used to getting from him for several years. He shot shot a 48% effective field goal percentage, 46.8% from the floor, as he began to add some three-point range to his game. But he also started relying more and more on his jumper. He lost a lot of his feel in the post. He had a lot of games where he struggled to make those reliable shots that he made for so long even after the All-Star break when his scoring went up, when his minutes went up, when he was the clear center on the floor. He struggled. It was a difficult season for Nikola Vucevic, as much as it was for anybody. Of all the holdovers, he was the one that seemed most pained by the team's struggles, but also the one who struggled most on the court at various times, or at least struggled to match his production. In fairness to Vucevic, he had perhaps his best defensive season of his career, and it wasn't because the team acquired Ibaka. Vucevic was a better defender this year. He had a career high in defensive win shares. He had a career high in defensive box plus minus. While his field goal percentage allowed at the rim did increase slightly this year, He was much better about using his hands and using his verticality. A huge credit to both Vucevic's hard work as well as Frank Vogel's coaching. Frank Vogel even said late in the season that he was impressed by Nikola Vucevic's defense. It was better than he anticipated when he took the job. And that's saying something. Vucevic was no longer a negative defender. Yes, You put him in pick and rolls, he was still going to struggle. He still does not have the lateral quickness to blow up pick and rolls like they imagined Serge Ibaka could and like Bismack Miambo can at times. 
But Vucevic was much smarter at understanding angles and understanding his length and how to use it better. In the end, though, when you look back at Nikola Vucevic's season, it's hard to feel very impressed by it. It's hard to say it was a good year by his standards. There were good moments and there were good elements. When he got hot, he was as tough to guard as anybody because confidence just grows with him. But he wasn't about to take over games on either side of the floor. And when the ball went to him, it stopped, as it tends to do with centers. The Magic could never find the right fit for him. And so it leaves one of the bigger questions, I think, for the offseason, and that is, what do the Magic do with Nikola Vucevic? As I said before, there may be no player on this team right now that cares more about this team and bleeds Orlando Magic. Nikola Vucevic bleeds this franchise. He wants to see this team succeed. And you could feel, and he expressed, his disappointment with how the season went. But there are still certain realities. The Magic paid Bismack Biombo $17 million a year. It's hard to imagine him staying on the bench. Vucevic still has those same defensive shortcomings that he covered up much better and improved upon, but he's not about to anchor a top 10 defense anytime soon. He still tends to rely more on his jumper than his post game. And that post game is, of course, becoming kind of bygone anyway. And probably the kicker of them all, he still has the most tradable contract on the team. And if the Magic are going to make a big splash this summer, Nikola Vucevic's contract is their most attractive trade piece to bring in more salary. It's harsh. But that's the reality. And so we can't sit here and say we're, we know for sure the Magic are ready to stay invested with them. We know Vucevic can play better. And I think with more defined role and a roster that fits better, he can play better. He did after the All-Star break when his production came back up. Perhaps his shooting numbers this year were an outlier. If he keeps up the defense that he brought last year, He's still a very useful player. I'm not saying the Magic should give him away or give up on him entirely. They should explore things. They should explore things with everybody. But Vucevic's name is going to come up when the trade, when the rumor mill starts to turn again. The question is just what was wrong this season with him, and what was wrong with how he fit in with this team and whether that can be salvaged and whether he's still a better option than Bismack Biombo. Most people would probably say yes, and I, I tend to agree right now that he probably is. There are some big decisions coming up for the Magic, and I think Nikola Vucevic is absolutely going to be one of them as we begin to move into the offseason. 
All right, before we close out today's show, let's run our hashtag one lottery per day. I need theme music. Someone make some theme music for one lottery per day. It will only be played for the next uh, 23 days. Let's run our one lottery per day. Uh, Over the weekend, I did run two one lottery per days for Saturday and Sunday. Be sure to go check those out on our Twitter page at Magic. I screenshotted them. But I am on Tankathon right now. Let's sim our lottery. Oh, this is an interesting one. So today's lottery, the third pick goes to the Phoenix Suns. The second pick goes to the Orlando Magic. And for the second straight day, the first pick goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm curious to know what you think about this. Would you be okay as Magic fans losing the Lakers pick if it meant the Magic get a top three pick? Would you be okay with that? Would that be a successful lottery? Would you have to get the top pick to give up that Lakers pick? Or would it just have to be in the top three? It's an interesting question. I want to know I want to know your answers. Maybe I'll share a few uh, on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Send those answers to me at Locked on Magic on Twitter or at Omagic Daily. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily, as well as like us on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. I'm interested to know what you think about this scenario. We got one lottery per day, and of course, lottery practice makes lottery perfect. So I want to know what Magic fans think about this, about this scenario, and whether they'd be okay with it, whether they believe that this would be acceptable trade-off for the Magic if they had the choice. You don't have the choice. It's a lottery. It's random. It's luck. But we're counting down the days to the NBA draft lottery in May. Uh, again, I want to apologize for how hoarse my voice is. I have no idea why it's this hoarse. I didn't even scream that loud at the Solar Bears game. Uh, good luck to the Solar Bears on Tuesday as they uh, try to close out the series in six games against the Florida Everblades. We are definitely cheering for you guys as hashtag, hashtag as one. For Orlando Magic Daily, and Locked On Magic. I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode. We will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.